Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Tenth Canto, Chapter 1, Texts 27 through 41. Vasudev instructs Kamsa, Part 1. Texts 27 and 28. Note. The narration now transfers to earth, where the demigods have taken birth and occupied posts in various dynasties. Sukadev Goswami continued. Formerly, Surasena, the chief of the Yadu dynasty, had gone to live in the city of Mathura. There, he enjoyed the places known as Mathura and Surasena. Since that time, the city of Mathura has been called the capital of all the kings of the Yadu dynasty. The city and district of Mathura are very intimately connected with Krishna, for Lord Krishna lives there eternally. Purport by Srila Prabhupada It is understood that Mathura city is the transcendental abode of Lord Krishna, it is not an ordinary material city, for it is eternally connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vrindavan is within the jurisdiction of Mathura, and it still continues to exist. Because Mathura and Vrindavan are intimately connected with Krishna eternally, it is said that the Lord never leaves Vrindavan. Vrindavanam prityaja padam ekam nagachati. At present, the place known as Vrindavan, in the district of Mathura, continues its position as a transcendental place, and certainly anyone who goes there becomes transcendentally purified. Navadvip Dham is also intimately connected with Brajabhumi. Srila Narutam Dastakur therefore says, Sri Gaura Mandalabhumi Yeva Jana Chintamani Tarahaya Vrajabhumi Vasa. Vrajabhumi refers to Mathura Vrindavan, and Gauramandala Bhumi includes Navadvip. These two places are non different. Therefore, anyone living in Navadvip Dham, knowing Krishna and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be the same personality, lives in Vrajabhumi, Mathura Vrindavan. The Lord has made it convenient for the conditioned soul to live in Mathura, Vrindavan, and Navadvip, and thus be directly connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Simply by living in these places, one can immediately come into contact with the Lord. There are many devotees who vow never to leave Vrindavan and Mathura. This is undoubtedly a good vow. But... If one leaves Vrindavan, Mathura, or Navadvip Dham for the service of the Lord, he is not disconnected from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. At any rate, we must understand the transcendental importance of Mathura Vrindavan and Navadvip Dham. Anyone who executes devotional service in these places certainly goes back home, back to Godhead, after giving up his body. Thus the words, Matora Bhagavan Yatra Nityam Sanihito Hari are particularly important. 
a devotee should fully utilize this instruction to the best of his ability. Whenever the Supreme Lord personally appears, he appears in Mathura because of his intimate connection with this place. Therefore, although Mathura and Vrindavan are situated on this planet Earth, they are transcendental abodes of the Lord. Texts 29 through 32. Some time ago, Vasudev, who belonged to the demigod family, or to the Surya dynasty, married Devaki. After the marriage, he mounted his chariot to return home with his newly married wife. Kamsa, the son of King Ugrasena, in order to please his sister Devaki on the occasion of her marriage, took charge of the reins of the horses and became the chariot driver. He was surrounded by hundreds of golden chariots. Devaki's father, King Devaka, was very much affectionate to his daughter. Therefore, while she and her husband were leaving home, he gave her a dowry of 400 elephants, nicely decorated with golden garlands. He also gave 10,000 horses, 1,800 chariots, and 200 very beautiful young maidservants, fully decorated with ornaments. Report by Srila Prabhupada The system of giving a dowry to one's daughter has existed in Vedic civilization for a very long time. Even today, following the same system, a father who has money will give his daughter an opulent dowry. A daughter would never inherit the property of her father, and therefore an affectionate father, during the marriage of his daughter, would give her as much as possible. A dowry, therefore, is never illegal according to the Vedic system. Here, of course, the gift offered as a dowry by Devaka to Devaki was not ordinary. Because Devaka was a king, he gave a dowry quite suitable to his royal position. Even an ordinary man, especially a high-class Brahmin, Kshatriya, or Vaishya, is supposed to give his daughter a liberal dowry. Immediately after the marriage, the daughter goes to her husband's house, and it is also a custom for the brother of the bride to accompany his sister and brother-in-law to exhibit affection for her. This system was followed by Kamsa. These are all old customs in the society of Varnashram Dharma, which is now wrongly designated as Hindu. These long-standing customs are nicely described here. Texts 33 and 34 O beloved son, Maharaj Pariket, when the bride and bridegroom were ready to start, conch shells, bugles, Drums and kettle drums all vibrated in concert for their auspicious departure. While Kamsa, controlling the reins of the horses, was driving the chariot along the way, an unembodied voice addressed him. You foolish rascal! The eighth child of the woman you are carrying will kill you! 
purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. The omen spoke of Astamo Garbha, referring to the eighth pregnancy, but did not clearly say whether the child was to be a son or a daughter. Even if Kamsa were to see that the eighth child of Devaki was a daughter, he should have no doubt that the eighth child was to kill him. According to the Vishvakosha dictionary, the word garba means embryo, and also arbhaka, or child. Kamsa was affectionate toward his sister, and therefore he had become the chariot driver to carry her and his brother-in-law to their home. The demigods, however, did not want Kamsa to be affectionate toward Devaki, and therefore, from an unseen position, they encouraged Kamsa to offend her. Moreover, the six sons of Marichi had been cursed to take birth from the womb of Devaki, and upon being killed by Kamsa, they would be delivered. When Devaki understood that Kamsa would be killed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who would appear from her womb, she felt great joy. The word vahase is also significant, because it indicates that the ominous vibration condemned Kamsa for acting like a beast of burden by carrying his enemy's mother. Text 35 Kamsa was a condemned personality in the Boja dynasty because he was envious and sinful. Therefore, upon hearing this omen from the sky, he caught hold of his sister's hair with his left hand and took up his sword with his right hand to sever her head from her body. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda Kamsa was driving the chariot and controlling the reins with his left hand. But as soon as he heard the omen that his sister's eighth child would kill him, he gave up the reins, caught hold of his sister's hair, and with his right hand took up a sword to kill her. Before, he had been so affectionate that he was acting as his sister's chariot driver. But as soon as he heard that his self-interest or his life was at risk, he forgot all affection for her and immediately became a great enemy. This is the nature of demons. No one should trust the demon, despite any amount of affection. Aside from this, a king, a politician, or a woman cannot be trusted, since they can do anything abominable for their personal interest. Chanakya Pandit therefore says, Visvaso naivakartavya strishu raja kulesucha. Texts 36 and 37. Wanting to pacify Kamsa, who was so cruel and envious that he was shamelessly ready to kill his sister, the great soul, Vasudev, who was to be the father of Krishna, spoke to him the following words. 
Vasudev said. My dear brother-in-law, Kamsa, you are the pride of your family, the Boja dynasty, and great heroes praise your qualities. How could such a qualified person as you kill a woman, your own sister, especially on the occasion of her marriage? Purport by Srila Prabhupada According to Vedic principles, a Brahmin, an old man, a woman, a child, or a cow cannot be killed under any circumstances. Vasudev stressed that Devaki was not only a woman, but a member of Kamsa's family. Because she was now married to Vasudev, she was Parashtri, another man's wife. And if such a woman were killed, not only would Kamsa be implicated in sinful activities, but his reputation as the king in the Boja dynasty would be damaged. Thus Vasudev tried in many ways to convince Kamsa in order to stop him from killing Devaki. Text 38 O great hero, one who takes birth is sure to die, for death is born with the body. One may die today or after a hundred years, but death is sure for every living entity. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Vasudev wanted to impress upon Kamsa that although Kamsa feared dying and therefore wanted to kill even a woman, he could not avoid death. Death is sure. Why then should Kamsa do something that would be detrimental to his reputation and that of his family? As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 2.27, Jatasya hi druvo mityur druvam janma mritasya cha tasmara parhyarite natvam sochitam arhasi. For one who has taken birth, death is certain. And for one who is dead, birth is certain. Therefore, in the unavoidable discharge of your duty, you should not lament. One should not fear death. Rather, one should prepare oneself for the next birth. One should utilize one's time in this human form to end the process of birth and death. It is not that to save oneself from death, one should entangle oneself in sinful activities. This is not good. Text 39 When the present body turns to dust and is again reduced to the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, the proprietor of the body, the living being, automatically receives another body of material elements according to his fruitive activities. When the next body is obtained, he gives up the present body. Purport by Srila Prabhupada This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, which presents the beginning of spiritual understanding. Dehino smin yata dehe, 
komaram yovanam jara tatadehantara praptya diras tatra namuyati as the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age the soul similarly passes into another body at death the self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change bhagavad gita 213 a person or an animal is not the material body rather the material body is the covering of the living being bhagavad gita compares the body to a dress and elaborately explains how one changes dresses one after another. The same Vedic knowledge is confirmed here. The living being, the soul, is constantly changing bodies, one after another. Even in this present life, the body changes from childhood to boyhood, from boyhood to youth, and from youth to old age. Similarly, when the body is too old to continue, the living being gives up this body and, by the laws of nature, automatically gets another body, according to his fruitive activities, desires, and ambitions. The laws of nature control this sequence, and therefore as long as the living entity is under the control of the external material energy, the process of bodily change takes place automatically, according to one's fruitive activities. Vasudev, therefore, wanted to impress upon Kamsa that if he committed this sinful act of killing a woman, in his next life he would certainly get a material body still more conditioned to the sufferings of material existence. Thus Vasudev advised Kamsa not to commit sinful activities. One who commits sinful activities because of ignorance, tamaguna, obtains a lower body. Karanam guna sangosya sad asat yona janmasu, Bhagavad Gita 13.22. There are hundreds and thousands of different species of life. Why are there higher and lower bodies? One receives these bodies according to the contaminations of material nature. If in this life, one is contaminated by the mode of ignorance and sinful activities, duskriti. In the next life, by the laws of nature, one will certainly get a body full of suffering. The laws of nature are not subservient to the whimsical desires of the conditioned soul. Our endeavor, therefore, should be to associate always with sattva-guna and not indulge in rajaguna and tamaguna, Rajas Tamo Bhava. Lusty desires and greed keep the living entity perpetually in ignorance and prevent him from being elevated to the platform of Sattvaguna or Shuddha Sattvaguna. One is advised to be situated in Shuddha Sattvaguna, devotional service, for thus one is immune to the reactions of the three modes of material nature. Text 40. Just as a person traveling on the road rests one foot on the ground and then lifts the other, 
or as a worm on a vegetable transports itself to one leaf and then gives up the previous one, the conditioned soul takes shelter of another body and then gives up the one he had before. Purport by Srila Prabhupada This is the process of the soul's transmigration from one body to another. At the time of death, according to his mental condition, the living being is carried by the subtle body, consisting of mind, intelligence, and ego, to another gross body. When higher authorities have decided what kind of a gross body the living entity will have, he is forced to enter such a body, and thus he automatically gives up his previous body. Dull-minded persons who do not have the intelligence to understand this process of transmigration take for granted that when the gross body is finished, one's life is finished forever. Such persons have no brains with which to understand the process of transmigration. At the present moment, there is a great opposition to the Hare Krishna movement, which is being called a brainwashing movement. But actually, the so-called scientists, philosophers, and other leaders of Western countries have no brains at all. The Hare Krishna movement is trying to elevate such foolish persons by enlightening their intelligence so that they will take advantage of the human body. Unfortunately, because of gross ignorance, they regard the Hare Krishna movement as a brainwashing movement. They do not know that without God consciousness, one is forced to continue transmigrating from one body to another. Because of their devilish brains, they will next be forced to accept an abominable life and practically never be able to liberate themselves from the conditional life of material existence. How this transmigration of the soul takes place is very clearly explained in this verse. Text 41 Having experienced a situation by seeing or hearing about it, one contemplates and speculates about that situation, and thus one surrenders to it, not considering his present body. Similarly, by mental adjustments, one dreams at night of living under different circumstances, in different bodies, and forgets his actual position. Under this same process, one gives up his present body and accepts another. Tata dehantara prapti. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Transmigration of the soul is very clearly explained in this verse. One sometimes forgets his present body and thinks of his childhood body, a body of the past, and of how one was playing, jumping, talking, and so on. When the material body is no longer workable, it becomes dust. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. But when the body again mixes with the five material elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, the mind continues to work. The mind is the subtle substance in which the body is created. 
as we actually experience in our dreams, and also when we are awake in contemplation. One must understand that the process of mental speculation develops a new type of body that does not actually exist. If one can understand the nature of the mind, mano and its thinking, feeling, and willing, one can very easily understand how, from the mind, different types of bodies develop. The Krishna consciousness movement, therefore, offers a process of transcendental activities, wherein the mind is fully absorbed in the affairs pertaining to Krishna. The presence of the soul is perceived by consciousness, and one must purify his consciousness from material to spiritual, or, in other words, to Krishna consciousness. That which is spiritual is eternal, and that which is material is temporary. Without Krishna consciousness, one's consciousness is always absorbed in temporary things. For everyone, therefore, Krishna recommends in Bhagavad Gita 9.34, Man mana bhavamad bhakto mam namaskuru. One should always be absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. One should become his devotee. One should always engage in his service and worship him as the supreme great. And one should always offer him obeisances. In the material world, one is always a servant of a greater person. And in the spiritual world, our constitutional position is to serve the supreme, the greatest, Param Brahma. This is the instruction of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Jivara Swarupaya, Krishnara Nityadas, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhyalila, 20, 108. To act in Krishna consciousness is the perfection of life and the highest perfection of yoga. As Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, 647, Yoginam apisarvesam madgitan antaratmana. Shradhavan bhajateyomam same yuktatamomataha. Of all yogis, he who always abides in me with great faith, worshipping me in transcendental loving service, is most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. The condition of the mind, which flickers between sankalpa and vikalpa, accepting something and rejecting it, it is very important in transferring the soul to another material body at the time of death. Yam yam vapi smaran bhavam tajantiantakalevaram tamtam evaitikantea sadatad bhava bhavita. Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. Bhagavad Gita 8.6. Therefore, one must train the mind in the system of bhakti-yoga, as did Maharaj Ambarish, who kept himself always in Krishna consciousness. Savai mana krishna padaravindayo. One must fix the mind at the lotus feet of Krishna 24 hours a day. If the mind is fixed upon Krishna's lotus feet, the activities of the other senses will be engaged in Krishna's service. 
Rishikena Hrishikesha Sevanam Bhaktir Uchate. To serve Hrishikesh, the master of the senses with purified senses, is called bhakti. Those who constantly engage in devotional service are situated in a transcendental state, above the modes of material nature. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, 14.26, Mamchayovibhacharena bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samatityaitan brahmabhuyaya kalpate. One who engages in full devotional service, who does not fall down in any circumstance, at once transcends the modes of material nature and thus comes to the level of Brahman. One must learn the secret of success from the Vedic literatures, especially when the cream of Vedic knowledge is presented by Bhagavad Gita as it is. Because the mind is ultimately controlled by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, the word aparsmriti is significant. Forgetfulness of one's own identity is called aparsmriti. This aparsmriti can be controlled by the Supreme Lord. For the Lord says, Matuksmitirgyanam apohanam cha. From me come remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. Instead of allowing one to forget one's real position, Krishna can revive one's original identity at the time of one's death, even though the mind may be flickering. Although the mind may work imperfectly at the time of death, Krishna gives a devotee shelter at his lotus feet. Therefore, when a devotee gives up his body, the mind does not take him to another material body. Taktvadeham punar janma naitimam eti. Rather, Krishna takes the devotee to that place where he is engaged in his pastimes, mam eti, as we have already discussed in the previous verses. One's consciousness, therefore, must always be absorbed in Krishna, and then one's life will be successful. Otherwise, the mind will carry the soul to another material body. The soul will be placed in the semen of a father and discharged into the womb of a mother. The semen and ovum create a particular type of body according to the form of the father and mother. And when the body is mature, the soul emerges in that body and begins a new life. This is the process of transmigration of the soul from one body to another. Tata dehantara prapti. Unfortunately, those who are less intelligent think that when the body disappears, everything is finished. The entire world is being misled by such fools and rascals. But as stated in Bhagavad Gita 2.20, Nahanya tehanyamane sadide, the soul does not die when the body is destroyed. Rather, the soul takes on another body.